to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome once again to Freedom to Choose, and this is program number 16 of Parables and Object Lessons. And uh, Susan, would you like to open the program with a word of prayer, please? Sure. Uh, Loving Father in heaven, we thank you once again that uh, we have the opportunity to look at your principles of love uh, through your objects, lessons, and parables, and we just pray that you will send your spirit to be with us as we discuss these important truths, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, last time we were talking about the two worshipers, the the, uh, Pharisee and the publican, and this time here we're going to, we're going to get into it a little deeper once again. Um, Because I think it's a really important topic. It is. I think it is, too. Uh, The program today is based on Luke 18, 9 through 14. And Jesus spoke the parable of the Pharisee and the publican, saying, Unto certain which trusted in themselves, they they were righteous and despised others. You know, and that's kind of the preamble. It's kind of how far we got last program, too. Yeah. yeah. but let's let's spend a little time right there uh, before we even get into the parable, because it's what it says here is that that, that they despised others. Now, um, if that's, you were to that's a super super important that's a very point. important point. Um, if you were to ask any of the religious leaders in Christ's day if they thought that they were saved, what what do you suppose they would have answered? You know, if you asked them if they read their Bible, what do you suppose they would have answered? If you asked them if they believed in God, what do you suppose they would have asked? And even if you'd have asked them if they believed that the Messiah was coming, what do you think they would have said? See, we're warned, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Our only safety is in dependence on Jesus. Right, Even we even talked about Peter, and Peter had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Um, we talked a little bit about him in the last program and how he was overconfident as well as some of the Pharisees, it's human nature to be overconfident. And believe it or not, it's a defense mechanism. It's a prideful reaction. We trust in ourselves in the battle with the enemy. It's a defense mechanism that we don't even realize that we use sometimes. Yeah, you know, um, and sadly enough, it was it was necessary for Peter to learn his own defects of character and his need of Jesus. The Lord didn't save Peter from the trial, and he won't save us from trial. Trials are for our own good. Uh, they're to make us stronger and be better people. Try, trials will, though, they will show us our weaknesses, if we're willing to look. And Peter saw his weakness in that defeat of his, and it, it was a painful lesson. Right, but Jesus could have saved um, Peter from defeat. Had Peter been willing to accept Jesus's warning Remember when he said, you're going to deny me, mm-hmm. then he would have been watching and praying. He would have walked with caution and he would have received help from God 
so that Satan couldn't have gotten the victory in that situation when Peter denied his Lord. It was through pride that Peter fell, and it was through repentance and humiliation that he was put back right with God. And remember, justification simply means to be put right or set right, and sanctification means to be kept right. You know, we're, we're, put, we're set wrong against God, and, and God wants to set us right, and he wants to keep us right. And every one of us can find encouragement in the record of Peter's experience. Though Peter had seriously been led off track, he wasn't forsaken, and that's really, really good news. Absolutely, because the words that, that Jesus spoke to Peter are for all of us, just like they were for Peter. And Jesus said, I have prayed for thee that, that, that thy fail, faith faileth not, and that's Luke twenty-two thirty-two. Here we see that Jesus is interceding in Peter's behalf and will also intercede in our behalf between us and the devil. Why? Because we are weak and we need him. Yeah, see— and this is one thing, this is an important point. Jesus is inter- interceding between us and the devil, not between us and an angry God. God is not the enemy. Satan is. Satan's the one we've, we've chosen as our leader. God's trying to set us right. Right. They're, they're together in their mission to save us. They're, they're, you yeah. know, Jesus doesn't have, doesn't have to battle with God. They're no, on the same team the to, win us, what, yeah. right, to win us back, to restore us. The battle that we're in is between um, us and it, the enemy. Well, is God and Satan, right? Because yeah. Jesus well, said the, 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 um, the battle isn't yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, God is battling for us. He's not battling against us. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Christ also remembered that Peter, after his resurrection, That's right, and he, he did, and he gave that message to the women in Mark sixteen seven. Go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he he goeth before you to Galilee, and there sh- there they shall see him. So why did Jesus especially mention Peter? Because Peter needed that message. He needed to hear from Jesus. Yeah. His, Peter's repentance was real, and the same compassion that reached out to rescue Peter is extended to every one of us who have fallen under temptation. You know, Satan's special trick is to lead us into sin and then leave us helpless, afraid to ask for forgiveness. And broken. And broken. But why be afraid when God said, let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me, may be set right, and he may make peace with me. That's Isaiah 27, 5. You know, we've talked about that when when God... um, works with us he works for our restoration but when satan works for us he works in our destruction mm-hmm. and he leaves us in a state of destruction uh, and, and separation from god and fear and right. all of that stuff mm-hmm. and then of course the more we're separated from god the more we desire to be separated from god it's a it's a vicious cycle absolutely yeah so if, if we allow him, Jesus will shape and mold our characters according to his own will, because we can't be overcome with selfishness if we put our trust in Jesus. That's Isaiah forty twenty nine says, he gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Yeah, that's true. And also in John 1, 9, there's a beautiful problem, promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. And it doesn't say from most unrighteousness. It says from 
all unrighteousness. Right. Jeremiah 3.13 says, Only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord your God. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. And that's Ezekiel 36.25. You know, and... uh we think about a cleansing process. It is a process, is right. it not? Right. It's not just a sprinkling of water that's going to clean us. No, no, that's a metaphor. You know, right. And this is what this program is all about. It's object lessons and metaphors. It gives us a word picture. But the cleansing takes time because at every step of the way, we've got to let God into our hearts and we have to tell him where it hurts and let him diagnose us and be able to accept that diagnosis and be able to accept the prescription. You know, and that's really important. Right, because I think we've talked several times about the brain and how God had created us so masterfully that what we do and the experiences that we have actually mold our characters. Mm-hmm. And so when you're molded in a wrong way, mm-hmm. it takes time to let that go or to have the the computer, the, the software or whatever. Rewrite the hard drive? Absolutely. It has to be kind of like wiped clean and then rewritten and the thing is is that those things are still there but the if you're not um you're not entertaining that bad character or those bad things or those bad thoughts they'll slowly fade into the darkness and the newness that's how the brain works right and then the newness of life as we practice it and behold different things will continue to grow and grow yeah you know god's got to kind of untangle that bird's nest right you know and and filter out the stuff that we've got to leave in the dust you know have you ever felt disgusted with yourself you know we talked about these things quite a few times on previous programs but i'd like to go over them again to illustrate yet another point uh, and what are these things that um, we're going to be talking about resentment, anger, and fear, and how they relate to ruin, running our own agendas or doing things our way? Okay, and you know they, what what these happen, what happens with resentments, angers, and fear is they happen or they occur when I'm playing God. You know, uh, we talked about in a previous program. Resentment is when I didn't get my will in the past. Anger and depression is when I'm not getting my will in the present. And fear is when I'm afraid of not getting my will the future. These are all judgments, my judgments. All this stuff occurs when I'm playing God. Now think about it. When you have a resentment, what are you doing? You're making a judgment on how someone else behaved in the past. See, and that's a resentment is to, to remake that judgment, refeel it. Mm-hmm. You see, and, and this, is, this is a way of playing God. Well, and but I don't think I think it's like a real subtle trick to us because I know because I used to run my life on resentments and anger, mainly resentments on how what had happened to mm-hmm. me in the past, and and so I made decisions based on how I felt about the events that occurred to me in the past, mm-hmm. and so I think sometimes we can have those resentments and operate in that mode of life and not even be aware that we're walking down this path that that's really destroying us because a lot of people you know aren't going to take the route that i took to alleviate my pain which was drugs and alcohol they'll maybe be somebody that becomes successful in business or um you know it but still runs on that energy, right? That, the, the, which is is still damaging. Destro- yeah, still damaging the person. The image of God within you, right? Absolutely, right. So when you have anger, you're making a judgment on how some someone is behaving right now, 
And when we have fear, we are making judgments on how we think someone will behave in the future. Yeah, and, and are we looking at these things the way God looks at them, or the way we feel that they should have been, or the way that we want them? See, I've noticed most of the time, my guilt and shame comes from times when I actually got my will, when I gave it my best shot in playing God. And see, you can't judge God's kids and serve God at the same time. Right. You can't do it. Right. I want to go back to the passage that we read a while back, it, uh, Ezekiel thirty six twenty five. Oh, yeah, good, because this is, this is crucial. Right. This is crucial. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and all your idols will I cleanse you. The worst idol we can have is our own opinion. Yes. I know. That's, for me, that's where I get into most trouble, when I worship my own opinion of things. When I play God in this way, I do the most damage and I hurt myself and others the most. Right. The knowledge that you have resentments and that they're going to kill you and your desire is that they go away, it just isn't enough. We all need divine help in, with this area of our lives. Yeah, you know, because I think we talked about it um, in the beginning of, of a previous program that it's not a, <laughs> your resentments, your angers, your fears, your jealousies, all of these things are, are from your human nature. Mm-hmm. You can't think your way through this. Right. You can't resolve it like a math problem. You can't resolve it like a calculus problem. You can't tinker with it like a motor to get it running. Because this is, this is the nature that we have that we're born with that is infected with fear. And, and, and fear comes from selfishness. So when we look at things in a, with our selfish lens on, we can we always judge and give ourselves the advantage. Yeah. And so we can never truly see things as they really are. As they are. really are. Right. Right. And we always, um, when, we're, when we're working with people or that are struggling, we say, you know, try to see them through the eyes that God has. Because if we do that with everybody that we come in contact with, we would be totally different people because we would have that compassion. We would have that love. We would have the desire for not only their restoration, mm-hmm. but our restoration right. into right thinking and right being, you know, becoming the correct people. Person, the correct Absolutely. People. Yeah. That, be, that behave according to God's will. That has the compassion. You know, and I, I remember the Pharisee in the parable, see, and, and this is the this is the thing when we're looking around at other people and we're judging ourselves because um, um, you know we, we're making ourselves look better. As at we least look I'm around. not like that. At least I'm not like that. Um, we don't feel any conviction of sin, and and here's here's what happens. You see, the Pharisee didn't even realize he was worshiping his own opinion. The Holy Spirit couldn't work with him. His soul was encased in a self-righteous armor that the loving arrows of God couldn't penetrate. Right. They just couldn't. Yeah, it's only the person that knows himself to be sick that Jesus can save and make well. Yep. yep. He came to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. That's Luke four eighteen. But they that are whole need not a physician. Luke five thirty one. That's that's true. You know, sin's an infection. It's a disease. You know it. And I, I've, I've thought about this time and time again. If somebody would have done to me what I did to myself, I would have been really upset. Right. I was sick, and I still am. See, that when we can look at it that way, um, we can, when we can know our condition, 
Um, because if we don't, we won't need a, we won't feel the need for help. See, we must we got to understand our own danger, or we won't run for cover. We need to feel the pain of our wounds, or we won't even have the desire to go to the doctor, let alone be want to be made well, want to be healed. Right, because we're so we're so blinded to our true condition. Yeah. Um. In in Revelation, uh, three. Jesus says, because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and and know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that you may be rich in white, in white raiment, that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness does not appear, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. And what's interesting is that this is a message to the church. Yep despising others but let's break that down okay right so that's what he that's what the parable says is that he despised others which means he didn't love his neighbors don't love their neighbor right right only love for god and love for our neighbors brings us into harmony with god we can't be you know we can be active we can be religious we can memorize scripture we can interpret scripture we can preach we can even open our homes and be hospitable but without love love like that which dwelt in the heart of Christ we can never be numbered with the family of heaven how do, and and how do we know i mean what's motivating us cuz here's the scary part once again right jeremiah 17:9 yeah. says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it who can know it? Um, our lips, or what we say, may express a poverty of soul that our heart doesn't even acknowledge. We're, we're that, uh, the ego is that deceptive. You know, while praying to God about our unworthiness, our hearts at the very same mm. time may be swelling with the conceit of its own superior humility. The only way to get it right and to understand our real condition, we must behold Christ, not a, not other people, not what they're doing. It's not it's not knowing Him that puffs us up. Right. When we contemplate His purity and excellence, we see our own weakness and defects as they really are. Only then will we be able to see ourselves lost and hopeless, wearing those garments of self righteousness. If we are ever saved, it won't be through our own goodness, but through God's infinite grace. The prayer of the publican showed a weak human being reaching out to grasp the omnipotent. Yeah, omnipotence, yeah. No outward observances can take the pace of simple faith, and that was the, the Pharisee's problem. No man can empty himself of self. Because um, I know with me, I've got too much of me in me, too much of me between me and God. And... Jesus is the only one that can do the work. I can't do the work. And then our prayer will be, you know, if we really want help, mm-hmm. if we really want, our prayer will be something like, Lord, take my heart, for I can't give it. It's your property. Keep it pure, for I can't keep it pure. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mold me, fashion me, and raise me into a pure atmosphere where your love can heal me. Right. All of our good works are dependent on a power outside of ourselves. There needs to be a continual reaching out to the heart of the heart after God, a continual earnest heartbreaking confession of sin and a humbling of the soul before him. Mm-hmm. You know, and the nearer we, be, we come to Jesus, the, you know, the better he looks and the more clearly we'll see how 
dangerous, how ugly, how damaging sin is, and the less we'll feel like promoting ourselves. Peter never forgot the terrible of ex- experience of hum- his humiliation. His sin was forgiven, given, but he knew his weakness of character was what caused his fall. Right. I, I really like this quote that I read some somewhere, um, because none of the prophets or the apostles ever claimed to no, be without sin. No. And so here's the quote. Men who have lived nearest to God, men who would have sacrificed life itself rather than knowingly commit a wrong act, men who God honored with divine light and power have confessed the sinfulness of their own nature. They have put no confidence in the flesh. They've claimed no righteousness of their own, but have trusted wholly in the righteousness of Christ. So will it be with all who behold Christ. Well, that's a nice quote. You know, the Bible says, Thou shall, Then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good, and you shall loathe yourselves in your own sight. Ezekiel thirty-six thirty-one. Remember what Paul says? I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. In harmony with this command, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians two twelve and 13. What are we to fear? That our hereditary and cultivated traits of character control our lives? It's God that works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, what we should fear is that self gets in the way. We should fear that self-will runs, ruins the high purpose that, that God's trying to accomplish. We should fear to trust our own strength, fear to withdraw our hands from Christ and attempt to walk life's pathway without his abiding presence. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. You know, it's all about character, mm-hmm. who we are as people, mm-hmm. and who we're going to let do the work. Are we going to try to do the work ourselves? Or are we going to be humble enough to let Christ in? Are we going to be humble enough? And be like the clay and let him mold us yeah, into it, a fashion that we don't even know what We don't it know. Is, you right? know, I, I, I'm sure that if I sincerely pray that prayer, that a lot of things that I like are going to have to leave. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that I don't like are going to have to come in or going to have to stay. You know what I'm saying? And, and God is saying you don't have to fear because what I do for you, everything is going to be It's going right. to be good. It's going to be right. Right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep you, you know, steadfast in your, in your, in your faith and your life and, and continue to grow you into that person that um, is trustworthy. And you will have peace. Right. You won't have peace with the devil. Right. But you'll have peace with God. Totally different thing. So not necessarily peace in the world either, right? No, no. But that's but that comes with a clear conscience. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Peace with God is what... And you can't search for peace. Mm-hmm. You search for God, and searching for God and finding God, and God find... Well, you, you don't find God, God finds you. <laughs> but... Um, it's his love that draws you, but that's where the peace comes from. It's a byproduct. Right, a byproduct of your relationship with God. Yeah, the Everything stronger is. that is, the more peace we have. And of course, don't confuse peace with God and peace and, 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 a, and, a, and a tough, trialful, if trialful is the word, a lot of trials in your life. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. But that's there to show us where our weaknesses are and to make us strong and, and, and help us to gain the ability to witness for Christ even stronger. And, and and to continue to trust in him. Yeah, to continue to trust in him. 
Uh, folks, we have some resources that are available. Uh, the new book we have is Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison. It's a workbook, and you can get that if you give us a call at 916-645-1297. Uh, give us a call. Susan will package it up and send it out to you. Um, and remember, folks, we're going to have to cut out of here. Remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.